Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 106 of Tendy Talk, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the BLPA Podcast Networks. I'm your host Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. This week I chat with another goalie who is also a stand-up comedian, the third of this podcast. This week's guest is Tyler Ross, who played some junior hockey and ACHA hockey at Kent State. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Tyler. Yeah, well, Tyler, hey, thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's uh, kind of fun to talk to you. You know, it's always fun when goalies reach out to me because, uh, truth be told, it's not always easy to find guests. Uh, sometimes and other times it's, uh, you know, like right now I'm, I'm working on lining a few up, but it, it's always finding time on calendar. So it's great that you reached out. I appreciate it. Yeah, I. it's so funny. I. I obviously saw Scott Darling's that stuck out to me because I'm in uh, Chicago as well. And I also do yep. comedy. So I saw that. And it's one of those things where I have such a yearning now to try to talk sports with people in a world <laughs> where so many people don't talk sports at all or, or yes. are almost against it, basically, at a to a certain extent. So uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, man, I would love a chance to just talk some hockey for a little bit. <laughs> so yeah. this was great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's happy to. It's funny because I work in the education industry um, and very similar, you know, in that most of the people I work with, you know, they, they refer to it as sports ball. You yep. know, it's it's not the thing. Now, there is one of my colleagues. She's out. Uh, she lives in Washington now, but she's originally from San Jose. Huge Sharks fan. So we'll, we'll have side, you know, conversations during team meetings uh, in chats talking about, you know, last night's hockey game, uh, this or that. It, it's kind of funny. Um, That's hilarious because I, uh, previously to last year, I was working at a Chicago public school, so also in education. Okay. And 
one of the teachers that I started working with a couple of years back, we were just talking and kind of came into light that she has two sons that play hockey. And I was oh, like, that's cool. awesome. What position? And she's like, both of my kids are goalies. And I was like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? I'm sure there must be something going on in your head that you let two of your sons become goalies. That's what's your pulse like at a on a normal basis. It was one of the most like striking things to hear someone say. So yeah, that's such a funny, like, Oh, work person that just gets it. <laughs> yeah. So I have to ask, cause I grew up in Chicago. I now live in Minnesota. What school were you uh, working at? So I was in the North side in uh, Lincoln park. It was oh, okay. Alcott elementary school. Actually. All right. North mm-hmm. side. So yeah, I'm a South sider. If I would have gone to the public schools, I would have gone to uh, Mount Greenwood park uh, schools, but uh, as you know, living in Chicago, uh, many people wind up going to the private schools. So mm-hmm. I went to Catholic school, went to the parish school, and then I went to Brother Rice uh, before I moved up here for college. But uh, nice. yeah, one of my uh, high school friends, she she works for the uh, school system and she does IT stuff. So yeah. Um, awesome. So if I'm not mistaken, you're originally from the Philadelphia area, correct? So I actually grew up in the Cleveland area. Cleveland, okay. Yeah. Um, I played for the Barons growing up, so I did the whole AAA thing out of Cleveland. So even listening to some of your other episodes, people are like name dropping rinks. And I'm like, yep, I can check that one off the list. Uh, you know, many a times I've had to trek out to Illinois to do like Team Illinois, CYA, you know, Team Mission, and then all these other like you know, random triple A teams. So yeah, I started, I lived in Cleveland growing up, but played yeah, juniors so, in Philly. So Cleveland is not a hockey hotbed. There, there's, sure not. there's a reason the Barons didn't last there. I mean, they have, um, what is it? The monsters now in the AH, are they in the AHL or the ECHL? They're in the AHL. AHL. Yeah. Um, how, you know, when, when I think of Cleveland, I think of football, Mm. And baseball. I mean, some people probably think basketball, but I'm not a basketball. I'm a hockey guy. So, I, you know, I, I grew up during the Jordan era and I don't like basketball. <laughs> that says something about me being a kid from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, so what got you interested in hockey being from, you know, the hockey hotbed of Cleveland? So it was a thing where both my parents are really into hockey. And I think okay. just like the opportunity for me to learn to skate kind of came up and then I, I really took to skating at like five, you know, I was learning how to skate already and the rink that was the local program uh, was near my parents' house, my grandparents' house that I, you know, went to a lot. So it just all kind of worked out. And as yeah. I started, like my parents signed me up, which you don't realize is weird that they randomly signed you up for hockey when they really didn't play hockey uh, yep. until later in life. Cause like you said, they could have easily been like, get over and play basketball football and all those others but uh yeah for whatever reason just took to hockey kept kept it going and then uh became a goalie somehow (laughs) so through all of that i was gonna say what prompted you to want to be a goalie i mean aside from it you know goalies are a little bit weird and i I would almost i'm kind of surprised we don't get more goalies out of Cleveland because everybody I know from there has kind of got that goalie personality. <laughs> uh, I think much like a lot of people, I think I just wanted to wear the gear and see if it was as cool as it was. I think I feel like most people give that answer, and I, as soon as I as soon as I was hearing people like give, I was like, cool. I'm not as weird for feeling weird about that. <laughs> 
Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely the equipment. I mean, I um once I was like, yeah, I'm going to play goalie. I think I bought my first set of goalie pads and things with my first communion money. So <laughs> I think yeah. that's what it went directly to. You know, and I, I think that's almost a sign of the era we grew up in. I mean, I, I listen to some of your comedy. I, I know I'm older than you because you were referencing finding a 40-year-old to ask questions about the car. I'm like, so <laughs> Tyler's looking to me for car advice, which is not a good idea either. But um, I do know mine's on electric vehicle, at least. Um, but, you know, our era, like, if we wanted stuff, like, we saved up our communion money. I mean... Everybody, everybody in my grade, like we were looking forward to our communion, not because of it was some sacred religious sacrament, but it was like we get to have our communion party and like everybody we know got at least a hundred dollars out of it. So like they were then rich with a hundred bucks, you know, <laughs> yeah. the stuff you could buy with it. But like I bought so much of my equipment because I shoveled snow, like I shoveled the whole block um, and kids just don't do that anymore. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, there. I, I worked for goalie camps for a while, and I think I worked as a, like an instructor for one for a whole like month. Summer ended up getting like a free pair of pads out of her, like a helmet, and oh, like nice. through the the uh, coach who had like a deal with certain things. He's like, "All right, if you work this through, I'll get you these." And I'm like, "Perfect, I can spend a month here and get pads out of the end of it." That works great. Yeah, it's that. That's a pretty darn good uh, deal right there. I. I worked my college's hockey camp going into my freshman year and I forget, I want to say we made like 275 bucks a week or something. And I, about right. you know, but we were living on campus. They were, you know, they were feeding us three meals a day and I had zero expenses for those five weeks. So, and then we could make more money if we did the airport run, it was like 50 bucks an airport run picking kids up or dropping them off. Oh, okay. I was like, the airport, is this some hockey camp along only airport routes that I'm unaware of? So, no. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I, uh, volunteered to do that like virtually every weekend. So, you know, I got a couple extra bucks every, every week out of it and came home and, uh, went straight to the pro shop. I went to Jerry's on the South side there and Crestwood awesome. and I, uh, picked up, you know, a pair of pro spec pads that, you know, off the shelf, but it was like kids today, they're just like, mom, dad, I need new pads, <laughs> you know? And it's like then taking care of for them. Whereas me, it's like, no, I, I work for it. It was only a few of my pieces of equipment that mom and dad really bought. Um, and it was cause I couldn't shovel snow yet at that, you know, I was too, too young. Mm -hmm. But after that, you know, I was, I don't know. I, I just always realized that they were paying a pretty penny for me to play. So if I could save up. And the, the other thing I knew is if mom and dad were buying the equipment, they were going to get something that did the job, but was economical. But if mm -hmm. I saved up, I could get what I wanted. Interesting. There was, see, I, there were times when my parents definitely did help. And I think playing in tri like AAA, being in Cleveland, we were the only people that were like, well, if we're going to do this, like, let's try to make sure the best, like we, we drove up, do uh do you know the the store right on the border of Lake Erie or uh, Erie and uh, it's called Don Simmons? Have you ever yes. been? To, okay, yeah, I haven't been I mean, there, but I, their ads were always in the back of USA Hockey and mm -hmm. everything else. Yeah, we we many a times if I needed gear, we drove up. It was like, all right, the family's driving three hours to go to Don Simmons to go see if like 
they have the set like it's finally time we've been building up for this trip and then you had to drive three hours just to go buy hockey equipment because there was really nowhere in cleveland to do it was like either drive to michigan or drive to canada yeah no i god done some it's funny you say it because my goalie coach in college um his son wore don simmons equipment they just <laughs> they, they ordered it you know and I don't know anyone that's actually worn Don Simmons gear. I just knew that they, uh, <laughs> like, I had, like, TPS growing up. You yeah. know, the ones with the, uh, the like, rolls in the middle of the pad? Yes. A pair of those I had from there. The, like, Cujo glove and blocker from there. Yeah, and they had decent masks, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and their masks were, I mean, if we're being honest, they, they were knockoffs of the name brands, but they, they didn't have the price of the name brands, mm-hmm. which price of the name brands compared to today it was a drop in the hat <laughs> but still yeah we, so go on yeah, i was gonna say my this is my grandma will be really mad i'm telling this but i had an old helmet that had like a big chip out of the um like the chin from a puck because it was one of the plasticky ones yeah and my grandma got in a car accident and like she was whatever something happened with her back and and the she was like assessing it and for whatever reason i kind of like convinced her to say my mask was in the trunk because it was beat up so bad so that they could include it it was like an insurance i'm sure we are past the time where she could be in trouble for this so if you leak the to uh, progressive or whatever insurance company she has i'm sure she's not going down for it but i remember being like can you just say this was in your trunk so maybe we can get like some extra cash or i can get like a nice power one actually so yeah i mean you got to do what you got to do for equipment is basically what i'm trying to say exactly and you know what if there is anybody listening from progressive they're hockey people so they're gonna be like (laughs) yeah well you know Statues of limitations has passed and you know it, it, it's all good. We 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 condone it. Um because it, it's it's all about your safety. <laughs> I love that. Thank yeah. you for putting such a positive spin on insurance fraud. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um so you know you, you're playing, like you said, in the hockey hotbed of Cleveland. Um <laughs> you know, and, and they, they do have the triple way, but it, it's interesting because like I have a uh, high school classmate. She lives down in Alabama now. And when you when you start playing, Triple A is really the only option in some of these areas like Cleveland or in her put her case, Birmingham. And that adds the added expense of travel. Like it's it's not like your game like here in Minnesota, you think travel hockey. Mm. And it's like, okay, we're in the Twin Cities, we're going up to Duluth overnight (laughs) it's like no you're going to chicago you're going out to philly you're going down to birmingham you're going to nashville you're going all over the place and lucky for me like at when i'm a 90 birth year uh shout out to the one of the few places you can reference just your birth year and it makes sense yeah um but uh i'm a 90 so back when i was playing it was called the midwest elite and i know there's like 20 different versions of these leagues now um but like we only so we go to michigan pittsburgh and then illinois was the farthest thankfully and there was a every once in a while you'd have to drive to like canada and go to toronto and i can probably name more cities in canada (laughs) than i probably want to admit but thankfully like it wasn't how it is now because again talking going back to the parent that at the school i worked at they're like yeah we have to go to tournaments in denver we have to go i'm like man i that is a lot i mean i do take for granted and when i do a lot more travel now with stand-up how expensive hotels are and then 
when I see like a team go into a hotel I'm staying, I'm like, these these darn kids, I know they're going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was that problem. That was me. Well, you just, you got to bring your uh, mini stick with and like just crash the mini stick games in the hallway. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm going to consider that as part of my travel plan. Yeah, just, you know, th- throw the mini stick in the bag and, you know, come out in the hallway. Kids think you're going to uh, yell at them and complain about the noise and be like, all right, which team am I on? <laughs> and then just pull a sick toe drag and then yeah. uh, just Ch- walk away. Yeah, th- throw them into the walls, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it's it's the, the travel aspect of it, you know. And it, I was fortunate in Chicago; we had house league hockey. But I, I heard somebody actually refer to it as travel house league because of the way it, I really like the way it's set up. Because I, I played for St. Jude, so you know we would play Homewood Flossmore, Oak Lawn, and the Hawks. They're mm-hmm. house league teams, but you know we were still in one small area of the South Side. And one of the main reasons I only played. House League was because dad was a fireman, mom was working, so mm-hmm. it was, you know, they didn't have the time to do the traveling, to get me to the, you know, practices and the games all over the place. So it's like, you're going to play House League. It worked out for me. I want to play yeah. in school and college and all that. But it's like, if we had more House League hockey, I wonder how many more kids would be playing hockey. Because even in Minnesota, we don't have House League hockey. Oh, interesting. It's it's all travel. So, you know, your travel for a birth year, you're going to have an A team, a B team, a B2 team, a C team, a C2. And some of these organizations have B3, B4. Oh, my C. God. It's like just have one or two travel teams and put everybody else into the house league, you know, and play within your district at least. And everybody's still going to play. And they're going to have more fun. Yeah, I, I love that. I'm I'm electing you for USA Hockey president after this, based on this. Okay, this, well, it, that's your campaign speech. I love it. it. What's funny is I used to coach at the high school level, so I, I was going through the USA Hockey clinics, and they advocate, you know, more practice than games. And everybody in the cl- the class is like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." And then they go back to their association, and their association's like, "No, we're going to have we- host weekend tournaments because that makes money for the association." It's, you start looking at the, it very much reminds me of higher education where when you start looking at the financials of some of these youth sports, mm-hmm. this isn't unique to hockey. It's, I see it in baseball and basketball and everything. You start looking into the financials and they got these kids out fundraising four or five times a season. <laughs> then you look at the financials and they got like multi-million dollar endowments. It was like, you could operate for three years and not charge anybody a dime and still have money in the bank. Yeah. But you're still charging all of the money and then asking them to raise more money. It's like, why? What, what, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. So getting back to your hockey journey. Yeah, so sure. you're playing AAA hockey in Cleveland, but then, mm-hmm. then you wind up, you know, getting to the junior level and you're, you're, you go out to um, Philly. What, what brought you out there? So my goalie coach I had worked with um, from like childhood on was actually based out in Westchester, which is a suburb of Philadelphia. Uh, that's Dave Marlin is was my goalie coach growing up. And um, I went to him for years and it was past that time where I was getting out of midgets and 
you know, it's tough out in these streets at junior tryouts for goalies. Uh, and yeah. luckily I had a great connection with um, him and the junior program that they were forming, uh, the junior flyers in the Atlantic junior hockey league. So he was able to kind of like get me seen in front of the coach. I was training with him. The coach would literally, you know, he was one of these guys that love doing drills, love being the shooter, love going full blow. So yeah. we had like some good training sessions together and I ended up, uh, moving out there to play with them which was funny because i moved out there and then this goalie coach also for whatever reason had a connection with the uh, gatineau olympics in uh, the quarterback major junior league so i was up there for like four days i get to philly do training camp leave go up to gatineau for like a week no one speaks English that I'm training with. So I'm literally like, I went from not knowing any teammates to leaving said teammates up in Quebec. That didn't work out. And then I went back to Philly for the year. I mean, haven't any of these Quebecians, I don't know if that's what you even call them, uh, Quebecites, I don't know. Uh, but haven't they ever seen Canadian bacon? Everything's <laughs> got to be multilingual. Yeah. Well, and not only that, it was right before training camp actually started, it was like, pre-training camp so it wasn't like against the amateur rules or whatever blah 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 so there was a lot of the other people that were transferred in so like my best friend that i was hanging out was from germany and like <laughs> he didn't speak english either so we kind of like mm-hmm. he's like mm-hmm. yeah well in one of the guys i coach with he played in the uh, east coast hockey league uh for a year and he said you know you would get those european players i couldn't speak a lick of english mm-hmm. but once you get on the ice you know, you, you find a way to communicate. You get on the same page. There's 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 a way. Absolutely. You know, so you, you're you're out in Philly now, away from home, uh, but then you wind up in the Nall playing for Kenai up in that's up in Alaska. I mean, talk about a culture shock. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, and this was probably like the hardest year of hockey I've ever had because same for a bunch of reasons. One, juniors, you know they even at the in the North American League at the time, which was tier two, I guess, they paid for a few things, but like the final training camp or like trying to cut tryout was in Rochester, Minneapolis. Okay, I got to find a way to get to Minneapolis. Luckily, they're high, you know, they were housing us. So there's one less thing, but like, yeah. I think we, I was able to, we talked like my one of my uncles into giving me like airline points to fly out there, uh, made the team. And then, yeah, flew it to Alaska and trip it was a bad omen to start because even getting there we were taxiing backwards and i looked out and you know hockey bags are very distinct right they look only like hockey bags and we're backing up i look out the window and i'm like that is my gear sitting outside the plane still so and we're moving (laughs) and we are moving yeah so we got there and yeah my equipment didn't even show till like the day after um my parent picked me up they were so sweet we're talking and it was yeah it is a culture shock i mean the town you drive into, their welcome sign is like, welcome to uh, Kenai, death by moose this year. Because like, if you had a moose, you die. You don't just, it's not like a deer, like it, it could be bad or could yeah. not. Like those things are like sturdy. You hit it, it just keeps it moving with its day. So that was the first thing I was like, all right, I guess this is a new thing. Yeah, I have a college friend that lives in Fairbanks. She came down here for Ugh, school yikes. and she stays in Fairbanks and she'll, post pictures of moose, multiple moose in her backyard every now and then. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, they're they're not small animals. No, it's uh, it's it was very uh, eye opening. Um, but yeah, I, I was there for maybe three months, probably, uh, before I got cut, and then I, uh, which again, junior is tough. Like you have to fly your own way to Alaska, try to get make you know pay for trips. We were on like a three week trip in the continental. I was in Iowa had a very bad like two weeks to start the season i will never forget getting like sat down in this hotel in iowa and which was like so we released you this morning and um we'll just let you know that tomorrow we'll be able to drop you off at the airport and you know just arrange your stuff and thanks for everything and i was like i'm sorry so now i have to fly back from iowa to my home in ohio i have to get my stuff back from alaska and then It was just, it was crazy. It was all like all at once, you know? And like you said, like <laughs> the dollars are just adding up left and right for these kinds of things. And you're a kid figuring this out too. It's, you know. Yeah. I think I was 19 at the time when that was happening. And yeah. like I said, my parents didn't play hockey. So it's not like they were like, hey, been there, done that. We're ready to move on to the next step, you know? Yeah. You know, you think of how they have these parental advisors and, they're not cheap, but they make sense because they understand this stuff. They may not have been through it, but they've worked with kids who have, and they're like, this is how you do it. Um, but yeah, and that's, that's the worst thing I did to that teacher at the school I was at. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Have they considered like juniors or whatever? And she really, they weren't really aware of what juniors were. And then I told her, and she's like, wow, so there's all these like camps you can sign up i'm like oh no i'm trick i'm like putting you into this crazy world that could be so like tough to deal with and yeah it's like if you don't know you really have no idea what's going on with it when even when i explain to people like most people that play college hockey a good amount like they just didn't go to school for a few years just playing yeah. juniors and like no other sport is set up like that it's so weird like i, I look at i played division three hockey and at the time in the Mayak, about half the roster, the kids played juniors before they came to the school. But about half of us graduated high school and then we went to college. Now I look at every Mayak roster, there's like maybe one or two kids that played high school hockey and went straight to college. It's like even down to, and you're seeing it at the AHL, AHA level now too, where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you got to play junior hockey to play club hockey even and it's it's just it's crazy how normal that's just become but there's also a lot more opportunities for junior you know i think the term junior hockey's gotten watered down too because you have some of these junior leagues that um again they're money makers Um, yeah i right after so i got when i got cut from sadaltna i was kind of just like living at my dad's house uh emailing any junior team i could find an email for of like can I get a tryout? What's going on? And luckily, like some uh, friends from like midgets were playing in a, I guess at the time it would have been like tier three juniors at the Toledo Cherokee. And they're like, well, come skate with us and figure it out. So I don't like, I don't remember what that league was called, but yeah, when I was looking them up, I was like, there's so many junior teams now. It's, it was almost like, you know, it's one of those things I barely even recognize it. Cause I didn't really, I haven't really kept up with it that much, but yeah, you look at it and you're like, they're just calling anything a junior team. It seems like, yeah. But, yeah. Well, one, one of my teammates, he was a GM and coach in the NA three for many years. 
Uh, the only reason he's not anymore is his kids are playing and now he wants to coach them. And I was like, all right, that, that's a good reason. Yeah. Um, but friends of ours, their son was going to go to school down in Florida and there was a junior team down in Florida that, you know, where his school was. And they're like, Oh, you're from Minnesota. We've never seen you play, but we know you played hockey in Minnesota. He didn't even make play the high school team. He played what they called junior gold, which is like, if you get cut from the high school team, it's essentially, oh. it's essentially midget hockey up here, but they really don't have midget hockey. So if you get cut from the high school team, you can play junior gold in your community. And so he played that. And for many years, junior gold was basically like the federal league, you know, and slap shot. It was just okay. brawl after brawl. It's just crazy. But they're like, Oh, you played hockey up there. Come play for our junior team. And they're like, Oh yeah. And it was like, okay, before you can even step on the ice, we need a $10,000 check. Oh my lord! So I, I reached out to my buddy who was coaching in the NA three, and I was like, "Hey, our friend's kid is looking at playing in this league. What are your thoughts?" He's like, "Well, he'll be able to play hockey. It's okay hockey." He goes, "But it's going to be expensive. They're going to call it junior hockey, but it's not junior hockey. It's just an it's a hockey league for kids that age." Mm. And it's like, "Okay, I'll tell him that." But uh, you know, he played I think one year and. He had fun, you know, and, and, and at the end of the and day, that's, that's what, what it's all it is. about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, his mom and dad, they could afford it. That's the thing, you know, and because if, if I were in that situation, my mom and dad would have been like, we'd love to do it, but that's pretty steep. You're going to have to help us out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, when I was playing juniors for the junior flyers, both years, I ended up working at the rink as well in the mornings to like help get cash together because again you had to pay to be on the team and yep. all the all the other expenses like you know sticks and all that still um so yeah i mean i was up in the morning cleaning locker rooms every day with a couple other teammates um so yeah you know you just try to figure it out any way you can and then at some point you decide you know what I, i've had my fun i'm gonna go to college and you go to kent state and they have an ACHA team. They're a decent one. In fact, past guest Shea Spanier, he played at Kent State. Um, what drew you to Kent State? So a few things. One, um, it's really close to my parents' house. So it was one of those things where I was like, all right, if I'm like making that transition back to being a student and, you know, I wasn't really getting a lot of like um d3 calls like some of my friends were so i was kind of like what's going to be the most comfortable situation to like transition me back into going to school after not for two years mm -hmm. um because the year before i went back out to philly finished the season there and it was like fine but it was just one of those things where i was like man am i gonna be 21 with june playing juniors in the <laughs> American Junior Hockey League with, you know, with like 15, 16 year olds. It feels weird. It feels yeah. weird. Because, uh, and that's the other thing. When I describe juniors, I'm like, they're like, what's the age range? Like, I'll t I just took uh, my girlfriend and her parents. We went to a ECHL hockey game and they're like, what's the like age for these things? I'm like, well, juniors would be like 16 to 21. And I'm like, it's insane. But yeah, Kent was good because I had a lot of friends that went there. It was like the hometown college in Ohio. Um, situation and then i did have a good relationship with a few of the players um that were already playing there played for the barons growing up they were a few years older than me but you know as we mentioned ohio hockey very small so uh, you, you pretty much know everybody yeah um who 
you know, we're like, you like juniors, come play here. We'll have fun like you were and go do school too. So we yeah. ended up going to Kent for, um, for a couple of years, played hockey the first year and really hated it. Uh, it was tough to go from like, everyone really is going for it and like trying to do stuff and not, and not to say that ACHA division one hockey isn't like serious. It was just like, I could feel myself not caring. I'm like, what am I, what are we, what are we doing here? You know? Right. Uh, and I'm with John Butcher Gross in that ACHA hockey is college hockey. Like, yes, I, I, I hate that argument. But there is that difference between NCAA hockey and club hockey. And to your point, it's kind of that, um, I don't want to say compete level, but it, it's that, that seriousness level. Um, the of- floor is just different for like who gets let in. And I don't mean that as a negative connotation, yeah. but you know, there's a, you know, I was used to practice, you know, when I was in Quebec, for example, Claude Giroux was one of the shooters for the goalie sessions I was doing. Yeah to go and then like I'm playing in practice with the teammates and you're like a guy that can barely get the puck off the ice just because you know it's that last roster spot which happens was like this is really where I'm at right now and yeah so I and our the coach that we had he was like an old school goalie like he really believed that you know, you should be standing up. You should be standing almost at the uh, hash marks if the puck's at the blue line, like cutting down. That That's how you should play. And I was very, like, the, my goalie coach did a lot of, like, training in London and stuff. So I was very hands. Like, my hands were loose. And I was always, like, uh, he, at the middle of the season, was so fed up with me and my goalie partner. We, for a few games, I'm not kidding, he would switch us, like, shifts. So if there was, like, a... a, a stoppage of play every like five seven minutes we were switching because he was just like was so over just us not playing the way he wanted us to play and that was another like straw that broke the camel's back i was like if i'm doing shifts like this there's nothing more embarrassing than that i mean you can imagine how much we got chirped by teams watching and that was the other thing i'm like he is knowingly putting me in a situation where i'm getting ridiculed for this like yeah i know this is bad too um well as a coach their job is to put you in a position to succeed and he was putting the two of you in a position to fail i mean he's like i'm going to treat you like like the forwards and shift and whoever's having the hot game i'm going to ride you out the rest of the game once it's defined and it's like you can't get a rhythm in a game if you're being like like you think about like again going back to like junior tryouts you get thrown in there for one period to try to like showcase your talent it's like how are you going to really like show who you are through like a full three period game when you're just kind of getting plopped in, in the middle or towards the end or whatever, or even at the beginning when no one knows what's going on. So that's what I loved about like high school and college tryouts, you know, after freshman years, like the coaches know who you are, they know your style. So even though you're getting that one period in a scrimmage during tryouts, yeah, if you crap the bed, you know, don't worry about it. But if you're that incoming freshman, you're like, oh, my God, what just happened to me? Because mm-hmm. that's all they know about you is that one period. But the returning goalies, it's kind of like, okay, they they know my body of work. And that was what nice. Like, I really appreciated that growing up at the Barrens. Again, it was, like, pretty small community. Everyone kind of knew, like, for the most part, who was coming back year to year. It was just kind of, like, different coaches for most of the organization. So, yeah, it was, like, that's a level where everyone kind of knows where everyone's at. And, uh, 
that was nice. But yeah, when you start going to junior tryouts and stuff like that, where you have no idea who's already on the team that's just there to skate, you know? Yeah. Well, it's funny. I've had this conversation with other people, not on the podcast, but about junior hockey. And the ones that I know that have played or coached, they always say, if they don't invite you to the camp, don't even think about going because all they want is your your check to pay for the ice time and a body on the ice. They're not seriously looking at you if you're just filling out the form to go. In mm-hmm. If they invite you, that's a different story. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place the same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Growing up in Chicago during the Jordan era, I wish this was around then because you know where my money would be. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. And I was, like, very aggressive, too, I think, about, like, I was aware of that after, like, my first years of trying out for junior teams, probably, like, midget minor. And midget major, I was, like, calling coaches, like, crazy. Like, I was the guy on the phone, like, can I try to talk to you? Can I try to, like, I learned video edit because I was, like, cutting my own highlight reels to, like, burn DVDs to, like, (laughs) mail to coaches. Like, I was, you know, going to FedEx to, like, mail these DVDs across the country to, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska or whatever it was, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tough life out there doing all that as a goalie for sure. Well, and again, I'm older than you. I'm I'm in my forties. So it's like, if all of that was available to me, then I would have been doing the same thing. You know, I'm a beer leaguer that has puts my stuff on YouTube. So yes, I would (laughs) have been doing, doing that then. Um, But you know, what was available to me, back then was you know the u.s mail yeah. <laughs> you know uh, mom and dad wound up getting a camcorder at some point and they would record games but you know they're up in the stand so you know what what you see of me is about that big you really yeah. don't see how well i was playing but i i remember uh we went to england when i was uh 15 years old uh to visit family my grandma was a war bride so we went over to visit them and uh i discovered they had a hockey league over there and one of it was funny because like the first night we were there we walk into the neighborhood pub and i'm wearing an eddie belfour jersey <laughs> and there's this old guy at the end of the bar and he recognizes it we start talking hockey he he knew all about the nhl and was a big fan of the english league and so my aunt and uncle wound up coming to visit us the next year and he sent all of the like a stack of magazines like that thick 
from the English League. Well, with oh, wow, that's you know, awesome. The internet existed then, but it was you know still dial up. You know, it took five minutes for a page to download. <laughs> and you probably are even thinking about like, oh, I wonder if the English Hockey League has a website to go see what they're up to. Like, you probably weren't even connected to try to think about that. No, but so I was searching. I was asking Jeeves. Uh, because Google wasn't around, you know. I love that. I was asking in your, uh, these, three AOL internet hours. Yeah, yeah. If if these teams had websites, and if they did, I was emailing coaches like, "Hey, I am, uh, you know, American goalie, graduating high school. These are my stats. You know, I'd love the opportunity to come over and play." And you know, those that did respond were like, "Thanks, but no thanks." But then there was one. I don't remember who it was. Um, I think it was with the Cardiff Devils. And I, I think that's why I still have a soft spot for them. <laughs> you know, he responded, he's like, look, like, looks great. He goes, but they're only allowed so many imports. And they want the import for the goal scores. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, we, we can find serviceable goalies here in the UK. Like, <laughs> we're, we're not going to use one of our import spots for a goalie like that's just the the matter of it it's like okay so that that road has ended um <laughs> but it was like i was doing everything i knew about at that point i i uh i did have an opportunity to go to the chicago chill uh Ooh, okay junior tryout um but they called me literally the day of because i had filled out the form to go um, yeah <laughs> And they, like, we have an extra spot in $250 under budget. Quick, get on the yeah, line. Well, <laughs> and they literally called me like two hours before we were supposed to take the ice. And I was like, oh, wow. I'm on the south side and it's rush hour. I will be there in three hours. And yeah. they're like, oh, that's not going to work out. It's like, yeah, no shit. Call me early. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, so I almost had the chance to go skate with them, which if, if I look back, I know John Scott played for them around that same time. I wonder if he would have been at that camp. Um, I, I wound up playing for a junior team. Um, they were called the Chicago Force. They were okay. from a league. It was it was this weird thing where like all the teams were down in like Florida, Georgia, Alabama, and Louisiana, and then just and then Chicago? Chicago because the owner of the team was able to pay the league fee. Um, but because of the travel, the team was able to carry four goalies instead of three. So I went through tryouts, made all of the cuts and they weren't making it clear what the depth chart was for the goalies. And my high school tryouts were coming up and I was like, I had it worked out with my, cause we were practicing before school at Addison ice rink. Oh. And so I had it set up with my, uh, principal where if I was going to go the junior route, they were going to work with me and I was going to have a first period study hall. So I wouldn't miss school. I would just arrive late. That's cool. um, and then when we were on the road, they would make sure I got my homework. I was like, okay, cool. Um, so it was like a week before my high school team's tryouts. And I, they were having meetings with all the players. Cause it was like a week before the first road trip. And they wanted to make sure we had everything we needed, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I looked at the coaches. It's like, so you haven't really given us a depth chart. Uh, I'm just wondering if I should stick around here and be the fourth goalie or if I should go back to my high school team and be the returning senior, you know, and be the starter. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know, 
we, we see this other kid as the starter. You, you'd probably be primarily on the bench. It's like, okay, well, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go back to my high school. Th- and like, they just sat there like, you're, you're turning down the opportunity to play junior hockey. It's like, yep. Yeah, it's like I you're am. not really offering an opportunity to play. You're offering me an opportunity to have my name on a roster. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it, I, I made the right choice because the team folded halfway through the year, and the oh league my folded. god, the, the, that's worse than getting stuck in Iowa. <laughs> well, well, and at one point, I, I heard that uh, like three quarters of the team got arrested in Georgia for. Oh my like, god! There was like a giant like fiberglass peach on the side of the road that they tried rolling down the road or something. It was like. I'm, I'm glad I made the right decision. Uh, I mean, leave it to any like junior team on the road to make a terrible decision like that. Like that doesn't surprise me at all. Oh uh, yeah. Out of all the things you said, a team getting arrested. I'm like, yeah, I can get, I get behind that. Like I think about how many times uh, I was like walking around a mall with my teammates in those, like in our warm up suits. Cause it's like, what else did you bring? Yes. Getting kicked out of like Dick sporting goods. Cause we're playing basketball in an aisle or whatever. So and that's like at 15 or 14. Like, so you give them adults who are kind of on the road with one alcoholic coach, like who's in the home. <laughs> yes. You know, the, the rules seem pretty uh, loose. So that's, yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me at all. No adult supers. But it's funny you say it. Cause like when I was in college and we'd go on the road, it's very different. Cause the coaches make it very clear. Like you're representing your school. Mm-hmm. As soon as we're off campus, you're representing your school. You're wearing the team polo or whatever. Everybody knows that this group is from the school. So you are on your best behavior. And it's like, yep, we are. Um, it, it was kind of interesting, the difference in traveling with the school versus a junior team. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, if anything, the, the stories are, you know, who was drawing what on somebody's face while they fell asleep on the bus. <laughs> you know, th- that was about it. E- even the stories you hear of what, junior teams did the you know rookies on the bus is like that didn't happen in college because of that representation you know you're representing the school um there's definitely a thing with juniors of like you're not professional but this like hazing rookie thing is just this some you just need this some sort of thing to have i mean when i was in alaska we had to do the coach i know most junior teams will do like or they used to um you have all the rookies dress up as girls and they go to dinner mm-hmm. and then yeah. they have to pay the check. That was like a pretty common one when I was like in juniors, but our coach up there was like very against that. So we all did dress up like babies. So <laughs> cause that was you... better. Yeah. Right. Like, well, <laughs> I have so much more dignity in a diaper than I would address. Thank you so much. Yeah. For this. Um, yeah. It's like stuff like that. Or like I've heard of people having to like ride entire rides and like the, the bathroom of the, yep. the bus it's like who are these who are you you know like it's it's tough to like look back but you're you know stuck in these team dynamics where you're like well yeah i mean they've been here for three years so i guess they get to make up this arbitrary rule that <laughs> rookies sit in the back or something i forget which college it was out in the east coast that had the major hazing scandal um when i was going into my freshman year so at saint mary's our initiation we would call it would be the night of our red white game all of the freshman players had to wear their helmet to class and on game day that's a fun one right on game day you had to wear a shirt and tie and that was just all of our sports teams on game day you had to dress nice so girls would dress up 
guys would wear a shirt and tie. But for hockey, we said, okay, freshman, you got to wear your helmet to class. But because of the hazing incident that was out east, I, I forget which school it was. I want to say it's Maine, but I don't want to say conclusively because it was bad. Like they made them do elephant walks and oh all God. kinds of like ridiculous stuff. And because of that, like the NCAA came down hard on everybody with hazing and it was deemed wearing the helmet to class was not okay. And we were like, what the hell? Like, this is ridiculous. So then as freshmen, I remember we decided nobody's making us do it, but we can still do it on our own. <laughs> like, yeah, keep like the tradition because that is it's not humiliating yeah. per se like sure you're wearing a hockey helmet but you know i think if like once you realize what it's for there isn't that like oh look at this clown yeah. you know like well, you lost a fancy football league or something it, it was a small school i like my high school i went to was all boys and we it was bigger you know student body oh, wise. Wow. brother rice had at the time was 1600 students saint mary's was 1200 students so it was a small school we had you know, signs up around campus when teams were playing, but everybody knew it was the start of the hockey season when they saw the hockey players in class with their helmets on. So it was like, that's awesome. You know, yeah. After our freshman year kind of died away, I just remember <laughs> we had to sit through the NCAA, uh, you know, class with somebody from the league and they were going through hazing and all of this mm. stuff. And, you know, the, this is the grade point average you have to have to keep playing this and that. And then they got on talk of drugs and alcohol and everything else. And they're like, you know, so some of you are 21, which means you can drink and this and that. And they ask, you know, how many drinks an hour can you have without getting drunk? And <laughs> one of the sophomore goalies, Eric Richardson, he was one of my first guests. I think it was episode two. Um, he played for Lake Forest Academy when they won their state championship in Illinois. He raises a hand. He goes, I'm not 21 yet, but if I remember right back to freshman orientation, I believe it's one beer an hour. And the lady starts to go, yeah, very good. He goes, but if you hold the darn thing for more than 15 minutes, it gets warm. So you got to drink it faster. <laughs> and the coaches are just in the back, like Jesus Christ, Richie. And, I mean, we're all just laughing. And this lady's like, Yep. So you can drink it in forty in fifteen minutes, but then you got to wait forty five for the next one. That that's how she handled it. It's like, like okay, it's a pool. yeah, it, it was just funny. It's like but you hold the darn thing for more than fifteen minutes. Yeah. Um, so I got to ask, when you were at Kent State, what did you major in? Uh, so I actually, uh, I really, I still aligned to work in sports. Um, so I actually wanted to become like a sports agent or work in like some sort of marketing with like a team yeah and my freshman year i was taking like a sports management class and i don't know if it was the teacher didn't like the subject per se anymore or just the <laughs> things she chose that were interviews from people but boy it was like the saddest people she could find to talk about the industry because <laughs> uh, you know it's similar to like playing like you have to work at like an internship with like a yep. minor league something get paid nothing, embarrass yourself all the time and hope that someone that you worked for there gets a job somewhere else. That, so the way that they're describing, I'm like, you are describing me playing juniors as my career, not even like based on my athletic performance. This sounds terrifying. So I actually ended up uh, switching it just to marketing. So that way I can kind of like have a couple more options. But uh, at the same time, I started doing stand up at right before I started 
going to school, there was like an open mic in town and I realized they weren't carding me because I was performing. <laughs> so I was like, sure, I'll keep performing and uh, <laughs> get to drink one beer an hour. And uh, <laughs> so it kind of became like this thing where I was also really getting into comedy. So I was like, maybe I could work for a comedy club marketing. And um, inevitably, I actually dropped that move to Chicago because I was like, I just want to try to like fully focus on that because I from hockey, you know, you go all in, you play, you're like, if I'm yeah. going to commit to just playing juniors and that's it for this thing, like that's been my mindset for everything. It's like, okay, all this is nothing. what I, yeah. If I'm, if I'm really in on the, it was so funny because my coaches, uh, Kent, his brother was a professional comedian. Like it just happened to be. So when he knew that was happening, it was really encouraging until the end of the season. I was like, man, I'm working a job, going to school, playing hockey and also trying get into stand-up i'm like i don't think i can do all these and he's like so are you gonna stop doing stand-up i'm like so uh yeah so he kind of knew what was going on but yeah i moved to chicago and uh no i i know the obvious reason because it's got the best food in the world but you know why (laughs) chicago over other places because i mean toronto's got a great comedy scene true um Um, it's tough to like move across the country or uh, to Canada just kind of on a whim like that especially because you need a skill and you can't be like I'm gonna try to be funny can that be my skill to get a <laughs> visa to live here um, but Chicago's great because it does if you don't if you're unaware uh, it has an amazing comedy scene yeah. you know I, when I first got there I wasn't just doing stand-up I was taking improv classes and other like sketch things and you know you have IO Second City the Annoyance Theater Zanies, Laugh Factories I mean you can't like it's just literally all around you. And that's kind of what I was looking for. It was just this like all in kind of like environment for advancing into comedy, basically. Yeah. I, I mean, second city kind of get, you know, made its name because of Saturday night live and the people they've put out, you know, but Chicago comedy, I mean, some of the biggest names in comedy have come through Chicago. Um, at one point or another, they, they they pay their dues there. You know, one, one of the big names out of Chicago is Chris Farley. And I'll yeah. remember going to Catholic high school. I'm in religion class. So my, my coach or <laughs> teacher, Coach Dwyer, he starts telling us a story. He, he told us more stories in religion class that should not have been told in a religion <laughs> class. But he went to Marquette University and he's playing rugby he's like no i shouldn't have been playing rugby because he had a heart condition and already in college had a pacemaker put in oh my Um, god he's like but i didn't tell mom and dad about that but i'm a freshman rugby player and you know we've been practicing for weeks getting ready for the first game he goes first game this guy comes walking out he's got a cooler under his arm and he's just (laughs) chugging beers walking across the rugby field he's got a jersey on he's like all right guys i'm ready to play he's like who is this guy? And, you know, some of the upperclassmen, they're like, oh, that's Chris. He's on the team, too. So he played, you know, rugby with Chris Farley at Marquette. And he's like, I've got more Chris Farley stories. So he spent like the next week not teaching anything about, you know, the Catholic faith, but stories about Chris Farley from college. And it, it would be funny because we come into class. He's like, now don't go to home and tell mom and dad about these <laughs> stories because then I won't be able to tell you more of them. Right. And we're right. like, okay, all right, good. You know, but yeah, it was funny. The, the stories he came, came out with and 
you know, some of us would say, we don't know how many of them are true, but I, I think that's most Chris Farley stories is to, probably to separate to the it, truth yeah. from the reality. Um, but yeah. So, you know, you're doing comedy. Are you still playing hockey? Because barely hockey in Chicago is pretty darn good, especially down at like Johnny's. And So I, I have had a few other comics that also play hockey. Uh, like you, you had Scott Darling on, obviously yeah. we ran into each other before, but there are other comics that have my thing. My problem has always been, uh, I've always had roommates in Chicago and I have never wanted to subject a roommate to the smell of hockey gear. And I have not been able to really fill, feel out the best situation for that. So like I didn't have a car for most of my time in Chicago or I just recently got one for like full-time traveling, but, um, you know, also the idea of getting on a CTA on the red line to try <laughs> to uh, grab my stuff. I played some, I played like, uh, I played some broom ball with some people in town, but honestly, I tried to start playing pickup basketball with other comics because that's obviously a lot easier to pick yeah. up. I have never broken a bone playing a sport or playing hockey growing up. I played lacrosse in high school as well. I broke three toes the first time I ever broke a bone <laughs> playing pickup basketball. No contact either. I just like turned, pivoted, broke three bones. The only time I've ever broken bones were from playing pickup basketball. Well, and then recently I broke a rib falling off an electric scooter, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> My most embarrassing injury. Well, you, you, you got to figure out the, the equipment airing it out deal because, like you said, Johnny's Ice House had, at least when I would come home on breaks, the best rat hockey in the city. It was like over lunchtime. Um, as a goalie, like I had to get there an hour early so that I made sure I got there because they would only t take three goalies. Oh, you had to I sign see. in. And, you know, so we, we would just do it like you, you'd sit for five minutes, but you'd be in the net for 10. So it's just mm -hmm. a nice rotation. Um, but there was this one guy, he was a cabbie, so he would just get there early, sign in and then like wait for it. And, uh, I, I was awesome. a college kid. So it was like, I, I need the skate cause I'm at home on break. So I would get there an hour early too, but it's, it's right down by the United center across from the 911 service. It's great. Cause my dad was so many right of my there. buddies will like say like, well, I've, uh, I've been running into a lot of friends like on the road who've come to shows that I played juniors and like growing up with hockey and every time one of them's like, oh, yeah, my uh, my league, I this. I'm like, oh, man, you guys make me feel so lazy for not playing. Like, I really do want to get back into it. I've been playing a lot of golf, but, you know, that doesn't count. Uh, but I do want to. Well, um, your schedule makes it hard to commit to a team, too, if true. you're on the road. But I mean, th that's where rat hockey is great. And it's funny because I've talked to people like, it's only in Chicago they call it rat hockey. He's like, why doesn't that catch on other places instead of shinny or stick and puck it's like those are all yeah, stupid stick and rat hockey. The one i know yeah yeah it's in chicago we call it rat hockey because it's all the rink rats that are showing up to play hockey on the open ice you know i mean the closest i had gotten to it was uh my school's gym class i would every once in a while pop in when it was hockey day and uh do a couple quick dangles pop one upper in the uh, top shelf and then be like all right i'm out i'll see you guys later yeah so i gotta ask you know when you you cross paths with uh, Scott, you know, are you guys talking hockey and goaltending or is it more the, the craft of comedy? So we, to be fair, I've only run into Scott a handful of times. Um, and during shows, we haven't really been able to talk a lot. We had like a, I have a joke about playing hockey. And after he pulled me aside at the show, 
And was he like, hey, do, do you know I, I used to play hockey? <laughs> he was like, he kind of did. And I had known he was out there, but so I was really trying to play it cool. Of like, I know who you are, but I don't want to be like, oh my God, I can't believe yeah. it. Like, like I knew who he was because um, I was living in Chicago when they won the Stanley Cup, right? Like yeah. I knew what was going on. Um, so we had a quick, like very quick moment of like, oh, I'm Scott. I played hockey. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Uh, you actually played juniors with a friend of mine. And we had this quick, like, oh, yeah, the world's so small. You know, this guy's brother who you played with. And uh, so we had, like, a quick conversation like that. Um, I've been gone for most of the year, so we haven't, like, seen each other. I really have been meaning to, like, connect some more with him to uh, do the all-goalie comedy tour. Um, Well, I I was going to say that because I I had Billy Ramirez on, who's on the West Coast, who's also a goalie and a comic is like instead of the blue collar tour you guys need to have the blue paint tour <laughs> that's honestly that's amazing i'm gonna write we're gonna all get together and write you an act just so you can come <laughs> along with us because you coined that amazing that's so funny uh yeah i talked about it with someone and i choose th- the two things i think led to me to like the crossover and it, i think it makes sense is like you stand by yourself just yeah. sitting with your thoughts all the time like i'm used to like filling time and talking because i'm used to just standing by myself yeah um and i i growing up all the road trips i took my parents we didn't really listen to a lot of music we would get like comedy albums oh, from funny. the library so we were yeah. driving around and i was listening to like jerry seinfeld's album and yeah. you know bill ingvall and all mitch had all these people that's what we would listen to on these drives or comedy albums so uh and throw in the fact that like i know i'm weird i get it uh yeah <laughs> so it's just like the perfect storm of like a transition between the two so you let me know when you want to start doing comedy i'll come up to minneapolis we'll do some shows you know it, it's funny because like I am a natural storyteller, which is why I got into journalism right after college and, you know, like trying to make your way in pro sports on the business side of things, you got to move your way around and it just wasn't going to happen. And, but, uh, at work now, when I'm talking to my coworkers, I'm like, yeah, funny story. And they're like, enough of your funny stories because they either (laughs) end in death or dismemberment. And it's like, yeah, they, they, most of my funny stories are dark in some way. Like I was talking about my cousin, she's got this lazy eye and in the family, they would always talk about her accident and, you know, that's why she has a lazy eye. And it was a couple weeks before my wedding. We we're out to dinner, me and my dad, uh, my uncle, which is her dad. And it, it's, I'm Irish Catholic. So when I say aunt and uncle, they're not necessarily my mom, dad's brothers and sisters. They're just of that generation. Yeah. Um, I call them so, first communion family members. Cause yes. they always go to like big family gatherings, but they're not really in the, in the family. Something. Yeah. Se. Um, but so my, my uncle was there and I had had a few beers at this point and he says, well, yeah, you know, nor, nor is accident. And I said, uncle Johnny, I keep, I've always heard of the accident, but nobody ever, explained what the accident was to me and he's like well she was in day camp uh over the summer and they went to the apple river and the apple river in wisconsin is almost it's an actual river but it's like a lazy river people just go and they float down it and it's going tubing yeah it's just this party atmosphere and she's like well there are a couple high school kid you know boys on shore and they were cooking up some corn dogs and they were asking you know the girls that were in charge of this group, if they and the kids wanted any, and they're going, yeah, yeah. So they start throwing corn dogs. 
And he goes, well, one of them bounced off an inner tube, comes in the stick lodged in my cousin's eye. Drunk me took every fiber of my body not to spit my beer out and start laughing. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you oh know, God. but I think this is a hilarious story because my cousin now is fine. Like she's living a very productive life, happily married, two kids, a very good pediatric nurse, but she's got this lazy eye because she had a corn dog lodged. Oh my God, that's insane. Yeah, and you know, then because my dad's job as a fireman, he's got stories. And one of my favorite ones is there was a person that got hit by a train on the L and they were doing recovery finding all of the body parts and they were missing a foot. And they're like, we can go. We're just missing a foot. And the chief was like, we are not leaving until we find everything. And my dad said they'd already turned off the third rail. They're walking along the tracks and it was a fresh snow. And they, somebody saw a hole. Well, there was a homeless person walking by and they go, Hey, can you look in that hole and tell me if there's a shoe? He goes, yeah, there's a shoe, picks it up, shows it to him. They go, can you look in the shoe? (laughs) And the guy goes, what? And they said, look in the shoe and tell us if there's a foot. So the guy looks on the shoe, throws it in the air, starts screaming, runs away. And they go, chief, we found our foot. (laughs) (laughs) Again, funny story. But when that's what you follow up the corn dog story with, your coworkers start to label you as the dark humor person. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. I think you have a future in it. We're doing this. I'm I'm fully committed to it. (laughs) But it's, yeah, it's, it's just funny. I, I think there's enough goalies out there where, you know, find one or two other goalies you could start the blue paint tour there's a i forget who but it was uh there's a red wings player that i also saw is now like out on the road or doing comedy shows around i'm trying to i think it's like daryl mccarthy or something like that is like doing comedy shows as well now so i mean there, there's more of us, I guess, out there making the transition than i thought oh, darren mccarthy yeah yeah Dar- yeah. He, yeah he was a musician too i believe um yeah he used to play but yeah i don't know i i I, it would take me some time because i love comedy i we routinely throw on netflix comedy specials at night when we're trying to you know fall asleep not because they put us to sleep but it's like it just we've i i don't know i'd rather find something funny and amusing before i go to bed rather than watch true crime um (laughs) And then have horrible dreams of like, what's going to kill me tonight. So we do that. But I mean, Jerry Seinfeld's comedians in cars, I think, I don't think people appreciate it for what it really is and how he gets into really the craft and the artistry of comedy and what really goes into it. It's not just something where, you know, somebody figures, "Eh, I'm kind of funny. I'm going to go stand for five minutes and tell jokes. It's not that easy. It takes a lot of work, and I, I think that's what that series really showed in why the good comedians are that special. My grandma is, like, aggressively supportive in it, which is so sweet. <laughs> and uh, she recently mailed with my Christmas present, like, three pages of a magazine article that she cut out about Adam Sandler and his career. She's like, 
I sent it to you because you know maybe there's something you could take away from it. It's just like so That's adorable. adorable. Yeah, yes. it's so sweet. She's so nice. That's what grandmas are for, you know. Sweet grandmas and dogs. We don't deserve them. They're just too good <laughs> to us. So I say sweet grandmas because not all grandmas are sweet. It's funny. My grandma on my dad's side was that sweet sweet grandma, but then my grandma on my mom's side, it was like we we called her by her first name. Oh wow. <laughs> like, okay. oh, you know, God. but uh I, I cut her a little more slack than I think the rest of my cousins because like I look at my grandma's upbringing she was a teenager in holland under nazi occupation and her family had jews yeah like they'll toughen gra- you up a little bit yeah i mean I, I can see why grandma maybe didn't have a nurturing bone in her body but she was still a little bit of a badass that's awesome my <laughs> yeah. grandma one time tried to pick me up for, from hockey practice and um they had just bought in a mazda miata two seats and <laughs> We literally drove with like pads in the trunk because that's all that could fit in it. Yes. Sticks in the middle, as is how sticks live in cars. Yeah. And the bag was like on the back part where the like convertible would part would sit down. And it's just me holding my bag while we're like driving (laughs) on the road. So uh, grandparents are sweet. Yeah. My my sweet, my sweet grandma. um, She, uh, she loved Halloween. And I, I think I was in like second grade and my sister was in the uh, fourth grade. And I don't even, I think I was a clown that year and she was a hobo. I remember my sister was a hobo, but my grandma was so excited about her costume for, she went to this like workout group. They called it get up and go. So they would wake up in the morning, go work out. So she was so excited about her costume that year. She was the jolly green giant. Like she had the green face paint and had this. So (laughs) she loved it so much. She insisted on picking me and my sister up from school in costume. And she's like, now I'm not just going to wait outside and pick them up. I'm going to go a few minutes early. So I have to go to their classroom and pick them up. (laughs) My sister was mortified because, you know, she's a fourth grader at this point. Like, not only is my grandma picking me up early, but she is dressed as the jolly green giant. And of course, the only picture we have of this day is a blurry picture of the three of us standing together after she picks us up from school. And I'm standing there. I'm just this happy little clown with my grandma. And my yeah. sister is this angry, depressed hobo. Like, my life is ruined. Grandma just picked me up dressed like a jolly <laughs> green giant. But the fact that it's blurry... I don't know if that makes that picture better or sucks because you don't see the true crisp look at my sister's face. You know, it's it's one of those things that you uh, get to have a little creative liberties with how yes. you remember the moment, fill in the blanks of it. That's fun. Yes. That's a fun one. But it, it was amusing when my grandma did pass away and me and my sister and my cousins were going through all these pictures and we came across that one. And my sister finally saw how actually sweet and amusing that was. But she's like, I just remember being so pissed that day. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> yes. Um, well, we've been talking over an hour now. And I, I know you've listened to some episodes. So you know that I close out every episode with 10 questions. I've been prepping for it. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. So the first one is, what is your craziest coaching moment from your playing days? 
Um, I, you know, I feel like I've had plenty of fair shares of uh, coaches kicking garbage cans. I think we've all had a coach come yep. in and, but I'll never forget this. This was like, it's like a quote whenever I see my like old hockey, we'll, we'll say it, but like a coach came in and said, uh, you got to get in there and uh, fight them. Like you're taking a, a rusty spoon and carving out their balls. And like that just like <laughs> imagery has stuck with me forever. Just like taking their take, scooping out their balls with a rusty spoon. It was just like, it's just a thing I'll never forget. I mean that, or again, goalies getting switched like players five yeah. to seven. You could take, I think either one of those would be very good answers for those. Tendy talk listeners this time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, pretty unrealistic. I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact in the same way. You don't have to break the bank to make big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be a part of a big change. If that's something you can use every day, like my Raycon earbuds, Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point. So you can build great habits without breaking the bank. My kids love that they don't have to listen listen to my Irish punk music because of them. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, something my son would be into, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon's start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each or pair and a spare, kind of like the British royalty, and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options. Every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee as well. Options like three customizable sound profiles, noise isolation, and crystal clear call quality are all part of their products. Ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com THPN today and get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. So as I'm thinking about your blue blue paint comedy tour, (laughs) I remember blue collar, they would end with all of them sitting on a panel asking questions. And I think that's where these come in. Um, So the next one is, what's your favorite all-time goalie mask? Um, so I really loved, um, I actually really loved Chris Osgood growing up. He was my favorite. I love the goofy, like player mask. I think those were so yeah. cool. I guess paint job. I also on the opposite love Patrick Waugh. So his masks are, I think were always like pretty legendary in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. and I love that he kept the same look for so long too. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and, and that was something of that era too, where the guys like they had a look and they stuck with it. Um, Brodeur's the same way. I feel, mm-hmm. I think about him as well. Like, you know, he had a very like signature thing that was like a team logo that he manipulated to be like his, br- I don't want to call it a brand. Cause that makes it sound like 
Well, it, it did yeah. wind up becoming his brand. Right, but... right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, uh, I do a sports podcast with my girlfriend where I teach her about sports because she's <laughs> a musical theater background. And oh, the last, funny. An episode we just did was on Sean Avery. So I was explaining the Sean Avery rule, right? Like you t- yes. turning around and we went to the, we were just at this minor league hockey game. And she's like, all I keep picturing is someone standing in front of the goalie, turning around and waving at them crazy. Now the entire game, it's all I could think about. I'm like, yeah, it's insane that he did that. So how in depth did you go into Sean Avery? Because there's a personality. He should have been a goalie. Um, Cause he's certifiably like, nuts i mean he stepped away from hockey to do an internship at vogue but then when you see how he dresses it's like what do you know about fashion (laughs) i love that you you know Uh, we went pretty we went like pretty deep like i i try to hit all the highlights i can when i do these like you know you could you could do hours worth on a lot of these people but i think i try to hit like a lot of the highlights of like you know he signed with the solar bears recently and all these other players came out of retire asking to like just come to out of fight him. just to fight him. Yeah. So did you talk about like- his vigilante uh, antics riding the bike lane in New York city? The scoot. Yeah. He wants <laughs> to be the, the voice for the, the scooter lane, the bike lane. Uh, yeah. He wants to do PSA, but also like, you know, he had like a lot of positivity. Like he was one of the first like athletes to come out and be like an ally for like the LGBT community, yep. you know, like stuff like that. But then, you know, he was like, said racial comments to players uh i i'll never i mean i remember the sloppy seconds comment he made on like a newscast and i remember being like wow like people are talking about hockey on espn not like just randomly for a sliver of it which sucks because it was him gossiping but still he was he was just such a polarizing player that like he's just fascinating to me my girlfriend's yeah. really big into the Real Housewives, and oh, my wife is there's too. a cross. There's a crossover where Andy Cohen at one point was rumored to be engaged with Sean Avery, so that was like a little bit of a crossover. I could like look your world and my world. It connected here. Yep. Yeah. No. My I know more about the Real Housewives than I care to admit. Because <laughs> which of my city wife. is your favorite? I don't have one. <laughs> I hate them all equally. Yeah, they're all horrible. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it's oh my god. Like she turns it on and I will leave the room and she's like, What? It's like, no. I I, I don't have the mental capacity to listen to this. And it's like, and you wonder what is wrong with society. It's because we have TV shows like this. You know. Now, like Andy Cohen has had a Jeff Lewis on uh the watch what lives quite a bit mm-hmm. he's got a cool uh real estate show like i like jeff lewis we need more of that it still gives you a little <laughs> bit of the drama but it's like we don't need the angry housewives and it's like they're so formulaic i mean there is a comfort to it at some point watching them um but yeah i i, I don't yuck anyone's yum on those but also like yeah, I get it. No, They're so almost funny. as predictable as a Hallmark Christmas movie at this point. <laughs> I mean, they they have beef. They talk about the beef. They go on a trip. They have a beef on the trip. Then they go and talk about the beef from the trip after. And then rinse and repeat. And that is it, every season. But then they make up. And then they come on to the reunion show. And it's like, oh, my God, I can't <laughs> believe you said that about me. It's like, you 
you spent three entire episodes talking about it. You are deep in it. The fact that you could, you know that, like that, me, that really shows your true colors of how uh, how much knowledge base you know about yeah. this unintentionally. I, I may have to cut this part out of the <laughs> podcast so that people don't think less of me. Um, but you know, when you're married for 18 years, you you have to spend time with your significant other doing the things that make them happy. Yeah, the real housewives to... is that. Yeah, I'm used to just like having my laptop out in front. So I'll like, okay, I'm gonna watch whatever sporting events going on. Sure, we'll have we'll have uh, Kardashians or whatever it is on the on the screen. But I'm really focusing on this. Like, well, that, there's the thing. Like, she'll be watching the Housewives or the Kardashians, and like, I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna look at my phone. She's like, you're always on your phone. It's like. <laughs> I'm reading about what's going on in Ukraine right now. I'm like actually <laughs> learning about something. And then if I'm watching a hockey game and she's on her phone, I'm like, you're on your phone. And she's like, because this doesn't interest me. It's like, same difference, but okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, once again, we've digressed into something else. So what is your favorite rink that you've played at? Oh man. Um, so my favorite rink I've ever played at probably has to be um there's one in Oak Brook or uh Oak Park, Michigan. Um or Hazel Hazel Park, sorry. It's this old barn I used to play honey baked at. And it I mean it is like you know when you go see like bleachers that you can see the like rings of like people have stood and like paste on them. Like yes. this was the level, like this place old, the, the locker rooms are way too small. Like it was an old, old barn, but it was one of those places where I was played amazing and it was just like very dimly lit. So I just love this place. I don't know why. Yeah. Hazel park out in uh, Michigan. Least favorite rank Joe Lewis. I never, I wish I could have made it to Joe Lewis Arena, but um, everybody I've talked to that's been there is it's a loved or hated place because it it had a character of the old barns that they just don't have in new buildings. It's like Chicago Stadium. That place was amazing. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you went in there today without the history of the Chicago Stadium, you'd be like, this place is a dump. Mm-hmm. You know, and Joe Lewis, it sounds like was kind of the same way. My problem, and again, I, a hockey friend of me, mine will whenever we see and it comes up, he will chirp me for this. But like, playing w- w- Little Caesars that used to be their home rink for a lot of games, and it must be great when it's full of fans. But the seats, when they're completely empty, are like gray on the bottom. So when all of them are up, the puck goes up. You just lose, lose it, it in these yeah. like white gray seats. So that, it was just like awful to play in like i hated it you know i'm sure if it was packed and everything would be cool but yeah i just ugh, not a fan i'm i'm a hawks fan so any bad words about detroit <laughs> I'm, I'm on board with um so what's your favorite stick that you've used um i was using uh sherwoods i pretty much have used sherwoods my entire life um i would when I was getting to midgets and after I would shave down the like handle. Cause I love mm-hmm. holding mid handle. Like I know there was a lot of the sticks with the like trigger gun, but I would have it like literally like pyramid out. So I could like hold that thing in the middle. Um, yeah. Who is it? Lundquist did that too. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. taped it. Yeah. I mean, there's all, 
I mean, there's so many. I've heard you guys talk about like the crazy, like curved ones at the top. Yeah, the Curtis like curves. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, Sherwood's with the. Uh, um, oh my God, was the goalie that I always had his curve? I'm blanking on it, but yeah, the the Sherwood twigs were my favorite. I was probably the 9950, and I think Theodore used those. I think that's what. Yeah, but he was a lefty, right? He was. Yeah, 50. he was a lefty, but yeah. they still made the the curve for righties. I was trying. I'm trying to think of. Uh, Brodeur used them for a while after Heaton. Um, trying to think of who, I mean, Sherwood's were uh, in the nineties, a bunch of goalies were using mm-hmm. them. Um, that's one of the few sticks I didn't use though. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, my first stick was a Vic. I had a Titan, oh, uh, I had Cooper Bauer Christian. I loved Christian sticks. Those cri- those are like iconic for goalie sticks. Those yeah. Christian sticks, yeah. Christian CCM Warrior, um, but I ne- haven't used a Sherwood. No Sherwood PMP Featherlight Coffee Curve. That is my forward <laughs> stick of choice. Um, back when my daughter wanted a stick because she doesn't play hockey, but she wanted a stick because of pond hockey, and then we had a backyard rink for a while. I went out and bought her the Sherwood coffee because it was 20 bucks. Brand new. That's awesome. I'm not spending $300 for a, you know, stick you're going to hardly use. And she's like, dad, that works. Um, So what is your favorite youth hockey memory? So I think it's, it's kind of like a collection of it. I think when I first started um, going on the traveling for hockey and I was missing school on Fridays. That was definitely my favorite. Like just knowing like, Oh man, I have to drive to Michigan. It seems like a big deal, but uh, just getting to miss school for hockey was probably my favorite growing up. It seems like very dumb, but it was like, it was amazing. Like I just had, you know, I went to a very small, small school in the middle of Ohio. I think I had like, isn't every school in Ohio small. This one, I had 18 (laughs) kids in my graduating eighth grade class. So like, we were a tight little group. So uh, getting to like leave when, and again, so small that like leaving, you almost, that is your family because we yeah. knew each other all eight years, that like small 18 group. Uh, so getting to leave really felt like a one up over some of uh, my other friends. Um, I also got to go to like Sweden and Finland and play hockey over there. Oh, and that cool. was pretty cool. Um, like we were like 14, 15. It was like a select team over a summer we went and, that was really awesome. We got destroyed in every game, but it was like very cool to just experience. I went to like uh finish school for a day and I forget that they know English better than I know Finnish. Yeah, I don't. And I got taken to like an English class and I was like, Hey, I'm Tyler. And these kids started mocking me like, hi, I'm Ty-. I'm, I'm like, Oh, you guys speak English just fine. Okay. Uh, so hockey adjacent, but like, yeah, that's probably one of the things that sticks out to me the most you talk about leaving school on fridays and there's a meme here in minnesota where the mom's calling in school and she's like yeah johnny's not gonna be in school today he's not feeling good and the nurse is on the other line going we know johnny has an out-of-town tournament this weekend. good luck <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's like you're not fooling anybody we know what's going on yeah. when it happens every two weeks um so what's the best chirp you heard on the ice off the ice directed at you not directed at you so this one I was having a hard time with. And then I think honestly, my, uh, my, my girlfriend at the game, we were, she's great at yelling chirps and this one stuck out. I never, she was, she uh, yelled during the game. Uh, hey, Johnson, the goalie's last name. Uh, 
you suck more than your mom did last night. And it was just so fun. Uh, and, you know, there's not a lot of people at the game. So her yelling that, like, it's just, it was just like audibly everyone laughed around because it was just, you know, good family fun at the rink. But yeah, that, that was so funny. I loved it. It was so much fun. Yeah, well, and the fact that, like, she's learning sports yeah. and can already chirp, it, it's kind of like Kenny Wu learning how to chirp in <laughs> D2. Yeah. <laughs> you That's know. great. Hey, 18, you're not very good at hockey. Well, um, she, uh, she, for the longest time, didn't realize that when you get a penalty, it's to lose a player and an advantage for the other team. Uh, we talked about this on the Avery episode, but, like, she thought because of the movie Slapshot, it's more just to make you feel bad <laughs> as like a cool down. And I was like, so she interpreted like him at the beginning, like you go to the box and you feel shame. She took that as like, well, that's why you get a penalty, not because of an yeah. advantage that happens to it. So, well, at least, she, stuff. at least she's seen slap shot. Yes. Yes. I've been slowly like getting her to watch uh hockey. I'm trying to get her to see young blood is the next oh, one. I think that's like a real deep. It's got cut. Rob Lowe. So she'll like it. Yeah, exactly. You know. I'm Patrick Swayze's in it. Early Keanu as a goalie making yep. a bad French Canadian accent. The movie has everything. If I could ever find the contact info for his people, I would love to get him on the podcast to talk goaltending because, like, he he played. You, you know, walk for around quite a Chicago. Long you could probably run into him. He's out there. <laughs> probably um, him and Steve Carell. I'd love to get them on to talk because Steve Carell was a goalie too. Oh, I didn't um, know that. That's awesome. Yeah, he he had that great bit on the Daily Show of a goalie practicing by himself. Okay, I have to look that um, up. I'm not, I don't remember that. And then for fun, me and my kids decided to recreate that frame by frame on the backyard rink. I'll have to send you the link to our that recreation. Is, yeah, please do. That's amazing. Um, I love that. But yeah, it was it was just kind of funny. Now we we were bored. We, it was uh, I think it was actually my 40th birthday. I had the day off of work. They had off school and. So we're out there doing this. My wife's like, you guys are idiots. She's like, but it did turn out pretty good. Um, yeah. It, yeah. So anyways, moving on. <laughs> what is the worst post-game beer you've had? Um, I remember the first time I was like playing men's. I mean, it was like a bad Michelob Ultra or like a Michelob, uh, not Ultra. It was like a Molson Light or something that's, you know, Somebody had it in their car all day because they yep. left for they left like in the morning, go to work, knew they had to come to the uh, the game after, and boy, those things spoil pretty hard. So yeah, uh, it was, yeah, that's probably the worst one for our first game of the winter season. You know, because my team doesn't charge me to play, and first game they all got to pay the the team captain. So I'm like, all right, I'm not the one forking over money for the season, so I might as well bring the beer. So I went to the local liquor store and they got one of these walk-in coolers and it was apparently in there longer than most people. And I came out and the lady's like trying to decide what to get. And this is what you came out with. Cause I, I just picked up Coors banquet and I was like, well, I'm a bit of a craft beer snob, but I'm picking up beer for my hockey team tonight. So I had to find something that was cheap enough for them but good enough for me. <laughs> you know, it's like, I had to find that fine line where it's yeah. like, yeah, it's because my guys will bring Bush light to, you know, a game <laughs> and think it's great. I'm like, eh, that's, that's not the case. Well, here's the real question. Where do you stand on Malort then? No, Malort wasn't <laughs> the thing when I was growing up. So like, 
I'm Irish Catholic. I'm from the Beverly Montrunwood neighborhood. Like, no, we, we drink the real stuff. It's, okay. it's Irish whiskey. That's awesome. Um, yeah. No, that's you bring Malort out just to embarrass people who aren't from the city. That's what it's for. I love. Like, oh yeah, that, that is. I love that is like, I don't, I, you know, I've almost lived, it's almost been 10 years I've lived in Chicago and that is like the one piece of like, I feel like a real Chicagoan anytime I force someone to make a Malort shot when they don't know what's happening. And that is like my favorite thing. And and I think that's, that's the beauty of Malort is it's so Chicago in that it's like, we say it's a Chicago thing so that people try it. They're like, Oh, I love deep dish. The hot dogs are great. Let's right. try Malort. You're like, like yeah, it, it's a Chicagoans way to like, pick on somebody without <laughs> yes. them knowing it which which makes it funny absolutely you, you know because to your point like oh deep dish and i, I remember when i was at college you know st mary's like half the schools from the chicagoland area and i say the chicagoland area because i think in the this pre-facebook like mm-hmm. freshman connection it had everybody's addresses so you could keep in contact after at the end of the school year only like three of us actually are from chicago proper Okay. Uh, you know, my one of my buddies was from uh, Johnsburg, Illinois, which is at the border of Wisconsin. He said he was from Chicago. And I'm like, no, you're better off saying you're from Milwaukee than you are from <laughs> Chicago. But um, one of the kids from Minnesota, he's like, so when you guys order Chicago style pizza, how do you order it? And we go, we just order pizza. Yeah. Like, you know, square but, pieces. That's how we order it. Right. It's well, that's the thing too, is most people think Chicago style is deep dish. Yeah, it is. Mm. But everyday pizza is thin crust, Tavern you know, style. Yeah. And I, I, I'm a Nick and Vito's kid. That's where we grew up going to get our pizza on the South side by Midway. Um, that That's my place. Um, Rules. So when you tape your stick, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? Toe to heel. Absolutely. You got to that like toe to like first tape. Uh, margin, you got to have that perfect. That's that's what I truly believe. So you, you're in the minority there. I know uh, that's okay. Yeah, hey, I'm I'm willing to die on this hill and be the face for it. it and I, I've said this before. I've had two different guests say anybody that goes toe to heel is a psychopath. And the best <laughs> part was like the second person that said it hadn't heard the other episode. So like these are two unsolicited people saying. I'm not going that far, but <laughs> just letting you know that other people think that of you. Um, so what's your favorite number to wear and why? Um, so I was 29 pretty much my entire life. I love 29. Um, very, this is going to be very hockey of you, of me, but I actually have a 29 tattoo on me. This is my goalie tattoo. I got it's uh, I thought this was so clever when I was 18. It's a bullseye, like a sniper, like, whatever i mean mm-hmm. like a like a scope and yep. then the number 29 in it because my thought was like well i'm my number's 29 and people are shooting at me this is my awesome hockey tattoo yeah uh, um so yeah 29 and then i wore 49 in juniors because 29 wasn't available when i was like coming back to the team so i i like weird numbers so 49 and 29 were the two i went with that works so the last question what advice do you have for young goalies i mean i think um remembering that like people love you and being the goalie sucks. And I think learning that, I think it is something to like learning the responsibility of like, Hey, once something happens to you, you need to like figure it out, move on to the next one. I think that's like a skill you learn as being the goalie that you don't like Mm -hmm. 
actively think about. So I think like learning to not like beat yourself up over things like that is so like mentally healthy for yourself. And I think it makes me like a really strong person now to like, cool, like things happen. I'm not like stressing over it. I'm like the lights already on. I can't make it turn off. Let's move on to the next play. I think just like remembering and like trying to remember the things you learn in hockey have like life experience things that can help you. So that that's the one and uh, learn to juggle. Honestly, I think that's <laughs> such a good thing to have in your back pocket. I've tried to learn to juggle and I just, I can't do it. I don't know what, what the issue is. I don't know. Gotta start slow. You know, but uh, you know, your point about letting things go is so true because I, I find like I'm able to let things go. It's not that I don't forget them. I don't learn from them. It's just I move on from it. I've learned what I needed to learn and I move on from it. And I think it's because of being a goalie. Like somebody scores on you. Okay, great. They're about to drop the puck again. You got to move on from Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, I think that has helped me in life. You know, you have a bad day at work. Okay, great. Tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow's a new day of work. Um, this is going to sound bad, but my mom passed away on Mother's Day. And like Christmas came around, my wife said, you know, you're handling this first Christmas like way better than I would have ever been able to myself. And I was like, I, I, it's not that I've moved on, you know, from mom, but it's like, okay, you know. I know I have to. So, yeah, I, I have to. They, they've dropped the puck on life. Um, <laughs> it game, you know, play has resumed and. I can sit here and keep letting pucks go by because I'm focusing on that or I can, you know. Or you can spend too much time like showing the emotion of like, she, I am mad that I let that go in. Like, I'm so upset. Look, everyone everyone gets to see, like I am reacting to it instead of like, it was such a valuable skill to learn the like putting on the show of being upset and like adjusting to do better. Just moving forward is such a good thing to know. Like, Sure, it's cool to show everyone, like, I'm mad because this happened, but it's a lot better to, like, get it out, move on to the next thing, and, like, be the best version of yourself to keep going on, so. Yeah, it's almost like driving in Chicago. It's like somebody cuts (laughs) you off, you honk the horn, you flip them off, you yell, you get it out of your system, and you go on. Absolutely. It's funny because I would bring friends from college home for St. Patrick's Day, the real parade on the south side, not the downtown one. Okay, Um, And I would take them downtown and I would drive and, you know, I'm using the horn, I'm yelling and everything else. And like, Oh my God, you're so angry. Like you're a different person when you drive. It's like, well, that's how you drive to Dan Ryan. Like right, yeah. that's just how you do it. Um, but once I parked the car, it was like, okay, cool. Like just nice, calm, cool, collective. And they're like, you're not so angry. It's like, no, the yelling and the honking and the flipping people off gets it out of my system yeah that's me being on the ice once i'm off it we can have a beer and chill like yeah exactly yeah um well i appreciate your time i have a feeling we're gonna be keeping in touch you know i'd love get, that this get, is great i love yeah. this was so much fun getting the blue paint comedy tour started <laughs> honestly i'm about to message scott right after this so. yeah scott re- reach out to uh billy um <laughs> I, i've had at least three different comedic goalies on the podcast so i'll find another one to round out the foursome for you um but thank you i appreciate it yeah thank you so much for having me be sure to keep an eye out for the blue paint comedy tour all joking aside that was a fun conversation with tyler 
I have a feeling he and I will be continuing the conversation in the future, probably after I watch him do one of his comedy sets here in Minnesota. Be sure to visit Tyler's website, tylertellsjokes.com, to see his upcoming tour dates, and follow him on Instagram and TikTok at tylertellsjokes, and on Twitter at tweet at Tyler. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some Wash Up Goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many lists here, but shows like the Hockey Minds Podcast, the Pucks in Deep Podcast, and the Dump and Change Podcast can all be found. If you're looking for something good to read, get yourself a subscription to the Vintage Tendy Magazine. Published quarterly by Episode 28 guest Brent Denure, the magazine takes a deep dive into a goalie from the usually from the 80s or 90s era. In the first six issues, they've covered Potvin, Fuhrer, Shevelday, Tebow, Reggett, Van Beesbrook, and episode 20 guest, Mask Painter and Creator, Don Strauss. The latest issue zeroes in on Darren Pupa. I want to thank the band The Zamboni for allowing me to use their music on all my episodes. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm always working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. That's how Tyler and I got connected. Let's not forget, if you're a brand that wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. Be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. Right on.